Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Today I'm joined by Sav Rogers to discuss his documentary film, Chasing Chasing Amy. In Chasing Chasing Amy, filmmaker Sav Rogers goes on a journey of self-discovery while making a documentary on the development and creation of Kevin Smith's controversial LGBTQ plus film, Chasing Amy. The film explores the transformational impact of a 90s rom-com on a 12-year-old kid from Kansas, coming of age and contending with queer identity. Big thanks to Bookman's for sponsoring this episode, and thanks to Fort Worth for letting us use their song at the end. If you'd like to connect with the show, the best place to find us online is at followingfilms.com or on Twitter by following at followingfilms. You can leave us a review and follow the show on Spotify. It really does help. Or you can support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash followingfilms slash support. Chasing Chasing Amy is premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival on June 8th. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Good. It's so nice to meet you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. I can hear you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this last minute. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Looks like a little scheduling hiccup, but I am here. I'm queer. I'm ready to talk about Chasing Chasing Amy. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that, man. I really appreciate it because uh, I I love the film. First and foremost, this oh. is, it's one of those movies that I've, I've had a, I've loved this movie. I'm very similar to you. I think it came into my life at a very young age, very impressionable age, and it, but a different reaction um, where for a long time, I'm, you know, straight white guy, straight cis guy. And so I see this movie and I think, okay, this, I feel like I'm mirrored here. Then I find out this thing that I love really offends a lot of people. And I'm somebody who I understand that my experience is mine. And so if somebody tells me the shit that I'm doing saying is hurting people, then I take that seriously. And I, had this very conflicted relationship with this piece of art where it felt like there was something wrong with me for liking it. And um, while I can see those problems still, it was really nice to have this re-owned in a way where <laughs> I was given permission to like this thing again. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I mean, regardless of any outside factors um, that inform the way that arts or entertainment or however, uh, you know, can forces it to evolve with new context, with new things. It doesn't change the meaning that it has for us and how, you know, we, it affects our hearts and our minds and our perspectives on things. And so, you know, um, chasing Amy has certainly aged the way that it's aged and it's up to every individual person to feel how they're going to feel about that. And if they don't like it, that's okay, but it's also okay for us to extract meaning from it and, to let it inform us and our, our perspective on our work and ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's what's really important about all art. It's the, the art is stagnant. It stays the same. Our relationship with it is constantly changing. So when we go back and revisit the things from our youth, from, you know, or even just a different, you see it from the perspective of somebody who is single versus married before you have kids, after you have kids, before you have a loved one die, any of those things can completely change the way you view any art. So it's, it's important to keep that in mind. 100%. I mean, you know, the way that I look at chasing Amy now or any movie that I liked when I was a kid is certainly different now with the perspective of, you know, being a grown man and being married and the experiences I've had in my life. And, you know, the way that I watched the Truman Show at 12 is different than how I view it now. And, yeah. you know, 
uh, culture keeps evolving and the times keep changing. And yet these movies stay the same and we can learn new things from them as time goes on. And so I'm, I'm so thankful to be connecting with somebody who, you know, uh, also loves chasing Amy, but also, um, loves to talk about the way that art changes and evolves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk a little bit about the vulnerability that it took to make this film. Cause as much as I was on board for this, the sort of recontextualization and your experience with chasing Amy, as this went on, I was really by far more invested in your story um, and your wife's story and your mom's story and all these other elements of your life. And just to put yourself out, like to be this naked had to be a pretty intimidating process. You know, I can't leave my house without a hat on or I feel naked. So uh, <laughs> now the idea of sharing so much about my life and my experiences was not the intention when we started the process of making Chasing Chasing Amy. You know, what I wanted to do was explore the LGBTQ community's relationship with Chasing Amy. That was that was the the idea at the beginning. And then I was surrounded by all these incredible collaborators who worked on Chasing Chasing Amy because it's by far much more than just me, <laughs> uh, you know, who put their, their hearts and their souls into this thing. Um, but they were all telling me, hey, you should really consider the reason that we're all here, why we're so emotionally invested in this thing. It's you, man. And uh, you can ask any single one of the people who worked on this movie. I did not want to be at the center of it. Um, but it was important because I was the emotional hook. And so I had to, to make a choice as a filmmaker. Okay, do I, do I rise to the occasion or do I make the less interesting version of this movie? And it was such a, a balancing act of, well, how much should I put myself in here? Do I have to be in this scene? Do I have to do that? But as we were going through the editing process and we were looking through the hours and hours and hours of footage, yeah. um, just thinking about, well, what does every scene have to have in common for this to make sense? Because you've seen it. This We could have cut this a hundred different ways and made a hundred different movies. Sure. There was so much there that we were getting from uh, our interviews. And you know what we kind of decided, and, and I ultimately made the call on this, that every scene has to be about my relationship to chasing Amy and how that evolves over time, right? Including the personal stuff, right? I mean, there are four different, if you think about it, there are really like four different parallels happening at the same time. You have Holden and Alyssa here, you have Scott and Guinevere here, yeah. you have Joey and Kevin here, and you have me and Riley here, right? Yep. And how do those four things consistently intersect? Um, and so it was, it was a real challenge. Um, you know, it was the hardest thing about making this movie was how much do I put myself in it? I'm not interested in being in front of the camera. What do I, what do I do? But also how do I tell the most honest story that's going to actually resonate with people? And so I found myself going back to, you know, my 12 year old self, right. And thinking about, well, what was compelling about Chasing Amy the first time around when I saw it? What hooked, what, what put its hooks into me that I just like couldn't let it go? And it was the honesty and the vulnerability in the writing um, and the performances. And so, you know, while not intentional for every single thing in my life to be about Chasing Amy up to this point, um, it was a great North Star even still of like, well, where am I going to go with this story? And what you could go 
87 directions. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful that it resonated with you. Well, I think that it's anybody that is a outsider on any level, What's whatever it is, that thing that makes you feel apart and that you need to find a family outside of yourself. You need to find your tribe. You need to find your people. You need to feel seen in some way. I think that whatever that thing is, if you, if it's punk rock music, if it's goth music, if it's just good, you find you, the little weirdos that we all were us, the film nerds, you know, there's like a special tribe of people that we all are broken in these beautifully wonderful ways and the world isn't and we're always looking for things outside of ourselves and to find meaning in it and to me personally so even if it's not my story i see i'm yeah i get that i I understand that i feel it so i think this will by far resonate beyond um your specific community i think that this is something that's a pretty universal story i I couldn't agree with you more you know i i always try to tell people you don't have to be trans you don't have to be queer to um to relate to feeling alone or to not knowing how you fit into the world or where you exist or, you know, uh, what you mean to other people. If you, if you're uncertain about yourself in any way, or have felt that way throughout your entire life, or even just for a second, I mean, you know, these things are unfortunately so universal. Um, but I do think that we're, we're better when we come together. Um, and when we try to really see each other and respect each other, than if we were going it alone. And I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, not to give anything away, but I do think by the end of the movie, it is very clear um, just how I am, I am better and all of us are better um, when we have support and we feel loved. Oh, that, that is 100% the most important part of this, the whole experience. Anybody who lived through the last three and a half years, the one takeaway that you can't do this shit by yourself. There's just no other way around it. You have to have whatever your community is, whatever, whoever your people are, you have to find them. Yeah. And we were, we were editing the movie, uh, during the pandemic, you know, we, we were still kind of shooting. We were like halfway into post and halfway into being out of, uh, production of it. And then the world shuts down. And then, you know, Riley and I are kind of siloed in my parents' basement for a lot of that. And so even through the process of like trying to finish the movie, it's like, oh my God, I miss community. I miss people. I miss being in a in a room with people, being able to do this stuff. And and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to take it out to audiences and to be able to connect in person and online, you know, if you're yeah. watching it online and through like, you know, the Tribeca virtual platform or wherever you watch it, I'm excited to connect in that way. But the chance to like, be in a room, feel people's energy, participate in the screening in that way. I'm so excited about. Oh, well, I, I could not agree with you more. This is one of those movies that I am excited to walk out of a theater to see this and to have the conversations that are going to happen in the lobby after you see this, that this is just going to be, this is a movie that'll go on for days and weeks afterwards. I think that it'll inspire people to connect. Oh, thank you, man. I'm I'm a little emotional over here just hearing how kindly you're talking about it. Um, and I, I hope so. I think the best movies, I think the best movies just make you feel something, even if it's you're upset, you know, even if you're conflicted, whatever it is, those those lobby conversations about a movie, you know, while uh, while I did get spoiled on Rogue One walking to the bathroom before the movie started. Um, but those are the you know, those are the, the best kinds of experiences to have. And so whether it's in a theater or a film festival or whatever, I'm excited, you know, to be stopped in the lobby and be like, hey, why'd you do that? Hey, <laughs> you know, can you talk about this insanely vulnerable moment of your life? Um, I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah, I, they're they're. I, it's unfair. We're on not on balanced ground right now. I know way more about you than you will probably ever know about me. Even if I was just okay, ask anything you got. That I just saw this experience right. of your life, and that's got to be really strange for people to know you so intimately. It is strange because I'm so private. Um, you know, <laughs> it comes across. I'm, I'm so- it, 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 it does. It doesn't seem like you're showboating. It doesn't seem like you're like, okay, look at me, everyone. No, it does feel like you're uncomfortable with this. Yeah, I mean, and also um, <laughs> to have like some of the most vulnerable moments of your life that you maybe you wouldn't want seen <laughs> by other people to for it to be in it. But again, it was it was trying to put the story above everything else and you know at the end of the day i own all my choices in this movie i chose to show these things i wasn't forced nobody twisted my arm um but i but i did have to think critically about about that balance um and it is unequal you know it's been unequal since the ted talk came out where you know you have this phenomenon of people breathlessly running up to you telling you their life story about how they like relate to you. And you're like, and all you can be is like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, but I'm so glad that we can connect and that you feel seen by this. And in the, and in a way, like that's kind of what I did with Kevin and Joey and all of the players in this movie was I put my heart out there and then they reacted, you know, and now uh, I have to pay it forward and I'm happy to because, you know, all I've ever wanted my whole life was to talk about movies with people and now to be in the director's chair of this and to have th- these opportunities for talkbacks, like it is an immense privilege that I am so looking forward to. Oh, I, I could only imagine. And in talking about finding these people for it, was there, I mean, there's the obvious ones where it's you, you have to have Kevin Smith to kind of make this work. You have to have Joe and Lord Nimes to make this work in your mind. When, which is honestly not true in a lot of ways. I think that you could have had this just with you and Riley and you would have had a compelling story here with your relationship with this piece of art. I think it could have gone that personal, but is there somebody that on the onset you said, okay, I have to have that beyond those to kind of make this work. Oh, you know, I'm going to say Ben Affleck, you know, I'm going to say Ben Affleck, you know, it all started with the Ben Affleck film festival in my, my living room as a 12 year old actually it's like an eight year old Mm -hmm. um that phase went on for a while so sorry mom um (laughs) but i i really wanted to to reach affleck but you know um uh you know something that kevin said to me after he saw the movie um was that you know i'm sorry that we couldn't get affleck for you but you don't miss him you know you're not like where is ben affleck um so i mean there's still a chance if he wants to do a little cameo in the credits uh happy to to take mr affleck's time for the 30 second video that would be i think fun to wrap up the ben affleck film festival but other than that um you know that was like a that was a must-have that was like very pie in the sky um somebody who was the first person actually to agree to be interviewed that i was like i have to talk to her is, is guinevere turner who just gives a fantastic interview in the movie and really grounds it in um in, in offering um, a queer perspective from a, a pioneer of lesbian cinema who started out at the same time as Kevin and just bears her soul for the camera. So I'm so thankful that Guinevere participated in this movie. It means a lot. Oh, and well, and it was Gwen Turner was the one that just made me realize there might be problems with this thing that I loved. I remember reading stuff and I was like, oh shit. You're, she, and she was absolutely right. Everything that she was saying that, and she has this, really nuanced view of the film, which was nice to see it explored in the 
non-clickbait sort of bullet points that I'd seen before. I'd never really heard her talk in this level of detail about it. Um, so yeah. it was good to see because she points out the problems, but she also points out the things that are really wonderful here as well. Yeah, it's a nuanced thing, right? Like, even if you detest chasing Amy, I don't think that you can really deny that Kevin is an excellent writer, right? right. I mean, you could, but like, let's look at it objectively, <laughs> you know, like, let's look at like, what really works about the movie versus what might not for somebody else. And if you feel chasing Amy is harmful, um, I totally respect that point of view. And I see you and I, and I think the movie validates that, that multiple things are true at once here a movie that saved my life as a child today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by bookman's this week i went into bookman's and i was looking for a film something that reminded me of a film festival be it a film that got its start in a film festival or something that was perhaps about the experience of going to a film festival. I went over and looked through the 4K discs and the Blu-rays and the DVDs. Nothing was really jumping out immediately. So I went over to the box set section and I came across Ingmar Bergman's cinema. If you're not familiar, Bergman was a master storyteller who startled the world with his stark intensity and naked pursuit of the most profound metaphysical and spiritual questions. The struggles of faith and morality, the nature of dreams, and the agonies and ecstasies of human relationships. Bergman explored all of these subjects in films ranging from comedies, whose lightness and complexity belie their brooding hearts, to groundbreaking formal experiments and excruciatingly intimate explorations of family life. Arranged as a film festival, with opening and closing nights, bookending double features and centerpieces, this selection spans six decades and 39 films, including such celebrated classics as The Seventh Seal, Persona, and Fanny and Alexander, alongside previously unavailable works like Dreams, The Right, and Brink of Life. It's also accompanied by a 248-page book with essays on each film. This particular box set has been something of a white whale, for my collection, something I've had my eye on for years, and I've just never felt the need to pull the trigger on it. But then I walked into Bookman's and there it was. And the price was so incredibly reasonable, I had to pick it up. This is something that I've been wanting to dive into for a long time because with uh, Bergman's filmography, I have a lot of blind spots and I'm really excited to dive in and um, learn more about his work. Because every time I've gone and watched one of his films, I'm always struck by how his work has been so influential that you can go back and look at these films and you'll see images or themes or just these kind of ideas that he brings up or that he executes in a way that have had just this profound impact on filmmaking. And you start to see, I guess, what feel like tropes later on, but this is the source. This is where they came from. And it's just really fun to go back and uh, dive into this work and so i'm really excited to start going and seeing some of these films that i've never seen before and so was able to get this at bookman's and you should go to bookman's too and see what you might uncover remember bookman's has your cool covered enjoy the show can also be harmful can also be weaponized against 
people who are minding their own business and have nothing to do with chasing Amy and certainly are not examples of any validity of chasing Amy's basis in reality. Right. Um, and, and so, but, but that's life is that so many things are true at once. The people we love are complicated and make mistakes. Um, the people we love and the movies we love are not perfect, just as flawed as we are. Some of them just happen to be famous. And sometimes people make documentaries about them. <laughs> like that's the difference. Well, absolutely. And I, you know, there's this, if you think about your Ted talk, um, you could think about this as a encapsulation of your relationship with this piece of art, but really that's just a couple chapters of the story that actually had a couple more to go after that. And you'd see that in this story. And it's really, you're just using this as a lens for how you're telling your story now. And it's almost like looking back at high school poetry that's in a trapper keeper somewhere and it's embarrassing. And when you look back at it, you're like, oh, that's how <laughs> I was wrapping up that point in my life. It's honest, but it's like, you look back at it and you go, oh, shit, man, that, that's not how you think about it now. And I think sometimes the way we look back at things are less honest than the, the than you know, because we kind of wrap things up in a neat little bow and we say, well, this is what I was going through at that time. It's how we own things, if, if that makes sense. No, totally. And I just, uh, I just got taken back to uh, being twelve again, writing horrible poetry and posting it on Facebook um, to to try to connect with anybody about the massive feelings I was having. I was having right. Um, I think the TED Talk uh, progressed much past there. But, yes, yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah. I mean, it is wild. I mean, you know, the TED Talk is an encapsulation of how I felt at that time, and then obviously I had some more growing to go. But I think the TED Talk still still represents how it felt for me being twelve and how I related to that movie then. And I and I think the the message still you know holds up in that yeah, representation does matter. I think we have a more nuanced conversation about who gets represented, who who doesn't, who's missing from this picture you know, things of that nature. But, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that, though, that, that the Ted, it, it wasn't just better as a Ted talk and that the movie meant oh, something no, no, that no. means a lot. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and I didn't, I didn't mean that, that was as, a fear though. I didn't no, no, mean no, it as an insult fear. to that piece of it. No, no, no. It, it's not an insult, not an insult, but, but like in the back of my mind making this, I'm just like, would it have been better for me to just leave it at the fucking Ted talk? Um, <laughs> and I'm so glad that, the 90 minute version of this story is compelling enough to, to warrant it being its own movie in your eyes. So thank you. Well, of course. <laughs> well, if, I mean, look, look at it this way, like the life change that you go through that you are still in the middle of right now, that there's a recontextualization of yourself that you're going through that I imagine yeah. that when you look back at any life change, you know, when I look back at my wedding day, if I, you know, anything like that, I look at the first day I had kids. If you, got me on day one and told me to tell you what that was like, my thoughts on that 14 years later are going to be dramatically different. It doesn't mean that I wasn't honest oh, yeah. in that moment, but I think that yeah. you're just at a very different place in your life, even though it's just a couple of years later, I think that you were clearly in a, it, you just, you grew a lot in that time. So, or you were allowed to grow. I'm, I'm not sure how to frame that for you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, when you look back even at um, like movies that you liked in the nineties, right. Mm -hmm. um, or, 
or like Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Carrie Fisher would would always say this in interviews of like, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to look how I looked at 19 for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> and Carrie Fisher's, you know, value to art and pop culture was much more significant than just her appearance in A New Hope, right? A brilliant writer, um, a brilliant script doctor, a brilliant, you know, stand-up, like, you know, everything. I don't know if you can call it stand-up, but what she did her one-woman shows and stuff like that. Um you know, I always think about that and I think back on, on my journey so far and, I'm, you know, I'm still pretty nascent in my, my filmmaking career and things like that. But just looking back, I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. Um, you know, there's, there's so, there's so many moments in this movie where I'm like, well, that's how, that's how it happened. That's how you got to show <laughs> your life there. Um, you know, the, the vulnerability of maybe not knowing what to do in an interview or yeah. being like, am I in over my head and seeing that all over my face? It's, um, it was a it was a wild journey, and if I had written it as a narrative screenplay, people would have been like, "Oh, it's too unrealistic. You should go back and change this." Well, there's moments that you you're not afraid in the editing of this to allow those moments where you're not perfectly polished, when you're not you're being honest, and it just and you allow for these moments that are just so honest and so real that I think that sometimes when we we edit them down to where they lose the magic in there. Like I would, you know, the fact that you're the Joey interview and the way that you allow that to play out the way that it does. I, I, it's not like I want, it's not like a spoiler part of it, but it is something that is tonally very different than anything else in the film. And it's something that I think really grounds it. And I love the way that it's put in there um, because I think it does carry the, a lot of the emotional weight of this that, just so you know, there is another side to this that you probably never considered. And she's absolutely right. Yeah. And and I'm so thankful to Joey for, for doing that interview with me. She didn't have to. Nobody from Chasing Amy had to sit down with me. Nobody was twisting their arm and said, do it. Like, it... It was completely, you know, by her grace, allowing me into her home to talk to her um, about this. And the way that, you know, the interview goes down is is a turning point in my actual life and not just the movie, you know. Um, I, you know, there were so many conversations that I had for years as we were cutting the movie of you know, with my brilliant collaborators and especially uh, Sharika who edited the movie. She's amazing. She's an incredible editor. Um, you know, many conversations I specifically really had with her of like, you know, I, I want to be truthful here. And, but I, you know, I need your, I need your read on this because I'm, I'm coming in with my experience of how I remember the interview and then watching the interview back and, you know, the anxiety I feel watching it and, and all of these things of like, wow, you know, I, in some ways, you know, I, I feel naive, you know, and in some ways, you know, I, I think it's so important to show, but like, you know, and, and having these conversations with her and, and the producers, Carrie, Alex, Leela, Matthew, um, among other people who worked on the movie, uh, just, it was so important for me to have that perspective because when you're directing something and you're, the principal subject of it and you're producing it. So you're, you're making sure the accountant does taxes on time. And also you're in it contemplating the existence of, you know, am I, how am I as a movie character in addition to this is, I just wanted to make the movie about chasing Amy. You know, there's so many levels there that you, you have to have collaborators there to ground you and really talk to you and, you know, make sure that they don't let you fall you know? And so I'm so grateful for them on this movie because 
this wouldn't be what it is without their points of view, um, allowing me to stand firm in mine um, and to really find my voice amid a very difficult editing process on this. Oh, any documentary is difficult to edit, but the way that you're having to edit yourself in that and the the parts that you're thinking what's good for the story and what's good for my ego so that I don't jump off a goddamn bridge by putting this in a movie and showing it. So that's got to be a tough balance. Yeah. If you ever want to destroy whatever's left of your ego, um, I highly recommend, (laughs) I highly recommend making a movie like this. And by that, I mean, don't make a movie like this. It's so hard. It's so hard. (laughs) Okay. So then What's going to be next? Because um, I'm a greedy American consumer and I see something that's not even out and I immediately want more and I want more from you. So I, I hope there's more coming down the pike. Well, Christopher, uh, in terms of what's next, uh, immediately what's next is we're going to premiere this thing at Tribeca and I and then go to Provincetown and Bentonville and a bunch of other film festivals that are, you know, have been kind enough to invite us into their house. Uh, to show our movie. And so I'm really looking forward to connecting with audiences there and talking about the movie and just seeing their reactions to it. I'm I'm so curious. I've been working in a silo, so to speak, for almost five years on this. So I cannot wait to see how audiences react and where they laugh. And if they laugh at the times, I think they're going to laugh or if they're uncomfortable or where the nuance is. So number one, I'm so stoked about that. Um, in terms of next projects, um, you know, the world's kind of open, you know, uh, one of my producing partners, Alex Schmitter and I were, were working on, um, a little production outfit that, uh, I'm really excited to, to talk about, but I can't talk about yet. Um, but I, I just hope whatever's next, uh, whether it's scripted, unscripted after the writer's strike is over, that, um, it continues to kind of build on what my worldview is as a filmmaker, which is that we are better when we're together and we're not better when we're isolated. Something daffy, something optimistic, and maybe something even a little surreal. So hopefully whatever I do next, uh, you dig it as much as this and uh, it surprises you. Well, as long as you are as emotionally honest with whatever you're doing and whatever your interests may be, and considering everything that I see behind you right now, I have a feeling I'll be interested in whatever you're doing next, whatever that is. As long as it's true to you, I think I'm going to be on board. Yeah, uh, it's copyright central back here. I'm so sorry if you blur any of this out. (laughs) There's some existing IP behind you. I I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, shocking, right? Uh, A guy who's interested in pop culture wanting to make more movies about pop culture. Yeah, uh, Thrawn is my next is my next thing right here. Thrawn and Revan kissing on the shelf here. There we go. (laughs) Nice man. Very cool. Thank you so much for doing this today. I appreciate it. Best of luck on the film. I know people are going to really react to this. This is going to, people are going to enjoy this. And I'm just looking forward to hearing what people have to say about it. Cause this is a, you made something special here. And so congratulations. Sincerely. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I hope to see you at a screening. Um, I think you've got my contact info. So just keep in touch, please. I will. Absolutely. And kind of the last thing, the the beard's looking good. That was one, something oh, you were talking you. about, the way you're visualizing yourself at the end. And I'm, I'm glad it's coming in nicely. Thank you, man. Um, it's a little scruffy right now. I've got a trim scheduled before Tribeca, the <laughs> professional one, but uh, fully um, because of the, the booking thing, I was just like, okay, I'm going to the gym. Oh, nope. Never mind. Okay. Hope my beard's ready. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thank you for uh, putting off the gym and show. Look, if you if you were there's anyone to show up disheveled, which I don't think you look disheveled, but I think you're okay with me. I wouldn't see that as scruffy. That's like well put together in my estimation. So, well, thank you. You have quite the impressive beard over there, and I'm like your your hair's getting cut off a little by the frame, but I'm like okay, you got the headphones on and your hair's looking good. That's that's sick, man. There you go. See, that's a that's a fresh fade right there. I try. I try. It's, it's, it's all my wife. I just tell her, she tells me what to do. And that that's the one thing I've learned and I look better for it. So left to my own devices, hey, I'm a mess. One more thing we have in common, being <laughs> wife guys and being proud of it. I love it. For sure, man. Well, you, you got a good one. <laughs> I, that, that I, honestly, I just kind of the last thing, the part at the end where yeah, she yeah. interviews you phenomenal, man. I love that part of it. That, that was probably the part that hit me the hardest at the end. It was really really cool so that was she did a great yeah. job you guys did a great job with that thank you you see me wrinkling my nose it's because i get emotional when i think about that interview and just how much i did not want to do it but how amazing uh you know she was i knew we needed my i knew we needed my last talking head but you know i didn't i didn't want to open up about stuff um i didn't want to do any of that like as sav the the human being behind it all um, but as Sav, the director, I knew we needed uh, one last look at me and one last look at Riley and 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 how far we've come. Um, and she's fucking amazing, man. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, you know, so far the response has been that people seem to be falling in love with her as much as I have. So um, I, I can't wait for people to just get to see her 50 feet tall in a movie theater. It's pretty great. And it's the, it's not just her, it's the two of you together seeing that because that that's the universal thing that it's just it's like that right there. I can't wait to hear the episode when it comes out. And uh, thank you so much for your time today and including me on this. You didn't have to, but I appreciate it so much. Anytime. Thanks, man. Hope to talk to you soon. All right. Yeah. Speak uh, soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
always crack.